0: All right. Well, let's say a prayer before we get started. All right. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd be with us as we learn about today from Mary. Help our hearts to be open to what you have to say to us. Help us to live a life marked by joy because of what you have done for us in Jesus, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. So today we're going to be wrapping up the Mothers of Christ series. We've been going through the five women that are mentioned in the book of Matthew, and those women were Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and now finally we get to Mary. Before we get to Mary's story, I want to give you a little bit of a lens to look through as we go through this. Let's think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary is about to have the most wonderful world-shattering news. She's a very devout Jewish girl, and she has heard all the promises, all the prophecies, She's waiting expectantly for her Messiah, the anointed king, to show up and rescue Israel. She's been waiting. The Jewish people have been waiting a long time, thousands of years, for this promised Messiah. So then we get to... Let's let's talk about Genesis real quick. The promise of the Messiah was first revealed uh, after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. God said to the serpent, I am declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head you will wound his heel. Since the earliest days of Christianity, this verse has been considered the announcement of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's often referred to as the first gospel, a first partial unveiling of God's future plan of salvation. Thousands of years and many prophecies later, the Jewish people, along with Mary, are still waiting for their Savior, who would wound the serpent's head and rule as king. Israel up to this point of Jesus had been waiting and waiting through various exiles, persecutions, enslavements, And now that we have a bit of background about Mary, let's tell her story. I want to paraphrase her story today. I know it's not Christmas, but we're going to talk about the Christmas story from Luke 1. I'm sure you've heard the song, Mary, Did You Know? I actually kind of like that song, but it's also kind of funny because I think Mary did know quite a bit. What did she know? What did Mary know? Well, I don't think she knew that he'd walk on water, specifically, I don't think she knew that he would give sight to the blind, make the lame walk, make the silent speak. She had no way of knowing that. But there were some things that Mary did know. She didn't know them by intuition, she didn't know them by speculation. She knew them because she was told by a heavenly visitor. It was an angel you remember that showed up, as Luke says, in the sixth month the angel Gabriel came to visit Mary. That's a big time angel. There are two angels named in the Bible. Angels, as we know by name, are Michael and Gabriel. God's personal messenger, Gabriel, was sent by the Father to the city of Gal- city in Galilee called Nazareth. Galilee was a rural area, and Nazareth was this podunk town. It's a no place, out of the way, with no significance, really. For God had dispatch this very significant angel to a town. This town was really surprising, not only to that town, but to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The best we can assume, she was probably at marrying age because she was now engaged, and that would make her around 12 or 13 in that ancient culture. She was engaged to a man named Joseph. They kept records of their lineage, and she came from the line of David. She was a very devout Jewish girl. We understand this because she was highly favored by God, which is a statement about her character. Her name, Mary, is a derivative of Miriam, named after the sister of Moses, the greatest hero in Judaism. They were a very dedicated family, so she knew what it meant to be in the line of David, because it would be from the line of David that the Messiah would be born. Whoever was the mother of the coming promised Messiah would be a daughter of David. There was also no coincidence that the man to whom she was engaged, Joseph, was also from the line of David. Did she expect that she would be the mother of Messiah? Hardly. But she knew that it would come from her family, and she must have had hope of the coming Messiah that filled the heart of every Jewish family. She was a virgin. She'd never known a man, betrothed to be married, and in that moment, her life changes in ways that are beyond imagination. God's messenger, Gabriel, comes into the house where Mary is staying and, she, and says to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she knew at that moment that God had chosen her for something very, very special. And as we know from other encounters in the Bible, it's a terrifying experience to see a heavenly angel. And she was greatly troubled. The Bible says that she was troubled not only at the appearance of the angel, but it says that she was afraid and she couldn't understand what he meant by what he said. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you? She kept pondering. She's 12, 13 years old. She has no idea. What kind of greeting is that, she thinks? It was a terrifying, breathtaking moment. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I mean, the first thing you might think when an angel showed up, a heavenly visitor, is that you're about to be judged. You're about to be punished. Relax, Mary. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. So she knew that she had been chosen by God for some special favor. And the angel doesn't waste any time. Behold, you will conceive in your womb... And bear a son. You're going to have a son. Well, she's shocked by this. And her response is, well, how can this be? How can I have a son? I'm a virgin. To which the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Now, she knew who the Holy Spirit was. She knew the Holy Spirit was the power of the Most High. El Elyon. God Most High. El Elyon. A name very familiar to Jewish people. And that was one of the great titles of God, God Most High. The Most High God overshadowing someone with His power was an image that you would be familiar with because of her namesake. because the brother of her namesake, Miriam, had written about it in the first verses of the first chapter of his first book, Genesis. You remember that when God began the creation, there was this massive material for creation. The Hebrew word is tohu vavohu, meaning it was without form and void. And then it was in Genesis 1 that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of El Elyon, the Most High God, moved over the face of this unformed material. And out of this same creation, the creation of the universe as we know it was formed. She knew that when the power of the Most High moved, when the Holy Spirit showed up, miracles were created. Miraculous creation took place. That same creative Holy Spirit was going to create something world-changing in her life, And that would redeem the creation from all the wrongs of the fall. And then the angel said to her, You shall name the son Jesus. In Hebrew that's Yeshua. Jehovah saves. Joseph at another time in another place received a message from heaven. And it was the same message. You're going to have a son and you shall call him Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. Mary knew that she had been chosen by God. Favored by God that she would be pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Without a man, without a human father, the Holy Spirit would create life in her womb. And not just any life, but Yeshua, the Savior. The angel went on to say, He will be great. How great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. That is to say, not only will He be your Son, but He will also be the Son of El Elyon. He'll be the Son of the Most High God, which means that He will not only bear your humanity but he will also bear the deity of God his Father. He will be the God-man. And when he said that he will be the Son of the Most High God, he said, He will be called the Son of God. You're going to have a child who will be the Savior. He will be placed in your womb miraculously by the creative work of the Spirit of God. He will be the Son of the Most High. He will be the Son of God. And not only that, but the angel said, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. So he will be the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that they've been waiting for. Way back in 2 Samuel, God promised to David that the son would come out of his line sometime in the future. And that the son would be an eternal king, the king of kings. All this Mary knew. Mary received a full explanation of who the child was to be. The Savior, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the eternal king. And she said this, Behold, the servant of the Lord... Be it done to me, according to your word, I submit to this. What a response. May it be to me, according to your word. She believed. Mary, at this point, had most likely a mixture of elation and terror, joy and nervousness. She was wise enough to know, to have figured out, that there would have been some very challenging realities to this realization. For one, how do you explain that you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit? And have everybody buy into that. That's a hard sell. She lives in a high shame culture where she could have been stoned to death for being pregnant outside of marriage. Can you hear the whispers around Nazareth? She's not married yet. She hasn't been married to Joseph. She's pregnant, and she says it's by the Holy Spirit. And not only did she have to explain that for nine months, but for 30 years. Because in the first 30 years of the life of Jesus Christ, there was no reason for anybody to think that he was the Son of God. As far as we know, he didn't do any miracles. He didn't teach anything. He most likely lived with his family in Nazareth for 30 years in a carpenter shop working with his father. It's a long time to try to explain something. It never becomes clear until Jesus reaches the age of 30. And then, by then, most people just reject all his claims to deity at that point including his own half-brothers and sisters who were born to Joseph and Mary after Jesus was born. They didn't even believe in him initially. It wasn't only that, when Mary took Jesus to the temple to be presented at the appropriate time the ceremony of purification and circumcision, she was told by Simeon that this child was going to make life difficult for her. In fact, a sword would go right through her heart. And it did. When the spear went through his side, The sword went right through her heart. When she was standing at the foot of the cross watching him hang on four wounds, this is her son, the son of her love. What kind of love did she have for him knowing that he was not just her child, but as the song goes, this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. She knew that he would be her savior as well. Now there's a lot to think about for Mary, an awful lot, but she was submissive and she was willing. And she was full of joy. This is what she did know, that the angel told her. And her response is given in the first chapter of Luke. This is what Mary said. My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She worships. This is worship. It's internal. My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit rejoices. That's intense, internal worship. Exults, rejoices, it's humble. The mighty one has done great things for me. He has regard for the humble state of his servant. This is humble worship. It's internal, it's intense, it's habitual. My soul, present tense, continually exalts. My spirit, present tense, continually rejoices. She is continually rejoicing. She is in awe that after thousands of years worth of waiting, the God selected her to carry his son. She would carry the Savior of the world along appointed one, the anointed one of Israel, that would put all things right, Emmanuel, God with us, Emmanuel, God in her. She was filled with joy and gratitude that God selected her. This woman is launched into unending praise and worship. Why is she so excited? She rejoices because God has sent the Savior. Mary knew that she needed a Savior, that she was a sinner. She knew it. She had seen and smelled the burnt offerings all her life. Her joy comes because God has sent her Savior to save her from her sins. And not just hers, but she goes on to say that from this time, all generations will look back and see the blessing of this event. Not only with Jesus, Yeshua, Jehovah saves, Mary's Savior, but Jesus is the only Savior that has ever lived. That's why the Bible calls him the Savior of the world, because he's the only Savior in the world. Amen. There is no other Savior, no other salvation in any other name than the name of Jesus Christ. Mary's joy is connected to the fact that she knew she needed a Savior, and she knew that the world needed a Savior. We need a Savior. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Amen. We do, and we have one. So what do we draw from all this? I want to go back to that moment when Mary says, Be it done to me according to your word. She's really saying, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. She's saying, Whatever you want, I want. Like Ruth said, Where you go, I'll go, and your people will be my people. Mary is saying, I'm all in. What you want, I want. She said yes to what God had planned for her, even though she knows that it's not all going to be easy and smooth. At this moment in her life, when she says, I am the servant of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. At that moment, Mary is pulling from her ancestors, Tamar. Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba's examples, what this news means for her socially puts her in the story of those other women. She is now a social outcast like them. She knows that saying yes to God was going to put her in a tough spot. Yet, she follows the women's in her genealogy's example and pursues what the Lord wants anyway. There is going to come a time in our lives where we're going to be called by God to do something great in the kingdom, and it won't always be easy. Can we be the people that draw on these women's examples. and When God calls you to do something for him, are we going to say yes? When Mary said yes, it changed her life, and it's changing our lives today. And here's the good news. Here's some good news. Jesus wants you to be a part of his family story. He wants you to say yes to him. He wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to fill you with the Holy Spirit, like my dad talked about. He wants to make you a new creation Adopted into his family as a brother and sister. God gave his son to be formed in Mary's body. That's unique. But actually what God is doing in the life of a Christian is forming his son in you. Conforming you to the image of his son. What God is doing in the life of a Christian is forming his son in you. Conforming you to the image of his son. We have become new creations in Christ. I'll finish with this. You have all heard the story of Jesus turning water into wine. This was his first miracle. This is where his ministry began. But it may not have happened if it hadn't been for his mother nudging, nudging him. The story goes in John 2, 1-5. On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan, Galilee. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no more wine. And Jesus said to him, Woman... What does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. She knew who her son was. As far as she knew, as far as we know, she had never seen him perform a miracle before, but she knew who he was. Gabriel told her. She knew that he could transform water into wine because she had seen the power of the Holy Spirit in her life. She knew that the son of God could do anything so here's today's challenge today's challenge comes straight from the mouth of Mary I want you to listen to the words of Mary and let them inspire you today do whatever he tells you to do amen. let us be people who do whatever Jesus tells us to do amen, amen. let's pray father we thank you for Jesus We thank you for sending him to be born, to live and die, be resurrected, so that we may have life and have it to the full. Thank you for the example that Mary was of a humble servant who showed us how to submit and follow you even when it was difficult, even when she knew hard times would come. Help us to listen to her words and to do whatever he tells you to do. Help us to lean on your Holy Spirit as we go through life. Help us to honor you and rejoice in what you have done for us. Thank you again for Jesus in his life, and in his precious name we pray, amen.